everybody, and welcome to Libromancia podcast about the magic of books. I'm Josh, and today I'm going to be talking about The Children of Blood and Bone by Tori Adeyemi. It's the first book in the Legacy of Orisha series, so let's rekindle the magic of books. First off, uh, we'll just try and keep it a little non-spoilery as much as possible before we get into the spoilers. So, I like the book. I give it about a 7 out of 10. It was, it's a young adult book, it's enjoyable, it has some good themes and it has some good thoughts while still being uh, in there enough to get you invested in all the characters. The characters I thought were excellent, I really enjoyed them. I thought the atmosphere was unique, it was a, an interesting world that she's built and that we are in. The writing was good, I don't really have too much to like really dig deep into the writing on this one. Um, parts of it maybe were a little off, but for the whole, I don't think I really noticed any that I could point to, so it worked really well. We'll talk about the plot more after we get to the spoilers, uh, but as a generalization, I can just say that uh, the world uh, used to have magic, and then the magi who had magic were attacked, and their connection to their magic was destroyed or at least temporarily destroyed. Um, the main plot of this book is that our main character is trying to bring magic back. I liked that part a lot. I thought that was really good. The intrigue, is this going to happen? Is this not going to happen? Um, felt a little rushed on some parts. Uh, I, maybe I was just reading it really fast, but the whole story or the whole length of the story felt like it could have been stretched a little longer or maybe had certain parts taken out and replaced with other parts. I don't know. I can't really say 100% for sure, but there was something there. I liked the magic, of course. It was a very cool system, bringing it back. I liked the unique names they had for each of them and the abilities. I really wish we'd been able to see more of the magic, and I know that this is the first in a series so that they are getting started and they don't have it so how can they show it to us but a little bit more on the magic side and I think that would have made me a lot more excited for it so I'm gonna just say that I think that's good and we're gonna go into the spoiler section but before I go I just want to say I did enjoy this book I read it right through I didn't want to stop so if the next few parts seem a little bit uh, nitpicky or critique in a bad way, they're not. It's just these are the things I noticed as I was kind of writing my review of it. So we're going to start again with characters. We have Amory, the princess, Zele, the our main protagonist, the girl who's in the group of the Magi. She's uh, the one we're mainly following the whole time. They have his her brother, Zane, and we also have Enan the Prince who is following them, trying to capture them. It's great. I thought their characterization was good. I love the conflict that Enan and Amory have as brothers and sisters, you know, forced to fight and to grow up strong, of course. I loved their kind of playing off of each other a little bit when they were in the, the same scenes after they kind of join up. I thought that the, the characters truly felt like siblings 
when they were with their siblings. So Zale and Zane really felt like siblings, the way they talked to each other and knew each other, thinking and doing. And Amory and Enan did as well, but a little less so, just because of the way they obviously grew up. So I like that. I like their characterizations. I thought the start of the story was really strong. Amory has seen one of her best friends, her servant, the only person she really knows has been killed by her father because he exposed her to the magic scroll that can reforge the connection to the gods that they tried to get rid of, but it's back. And then they kill her, so she steals the scroll and is trying to escape because she just, she wants to be free, she wants to get out. I thought that was great. Um, they're being chased. Obviously, Enan is the, the crown prince is chasing them, trying to bring them back. Only little bit of a nitpick here is that sometimes it felt like they were being rubber banded, where you'd have our main protagonist pull forward and they'd get so far, and then the king or the guards or whoever would rebound and, and catch up to them. And then they'd go a little farther and then they'd rebound and catch up to them. So I never. I just, that's how it felt to me. And I did not really like that feeling that I was getting from it. They never pulled ahead. Now, in the beginning, they have ways to explain it. You know, Enan can kind of sense her where she's going with, her, with his magic because he's connected with her. And so he could follow that way. But then when he's there and they are here, they're like, oh, well, they some guard saw them and decided to follow these other people. Well, okay, that's a little... If he, oh, he just happened to be ahead of us somehow and, and catch us here. and yeah, It worked in the story, but when I stepped back to look at it a little bit, I was like, they just like got there? That was fast? Like, that's okay. Now, the other critique I have is the timing was very, like, we have to get, we have to go from here to here as fast as possible to make it before the solstice, which is in seven days, and we're going to be on the run. How are we ever going to make it? Oh, wait, let's throw a party. We can still make it if we throw one party, spend one night. This guy, he'll help us get there faster. Okay, sure, once. Slay is kidnapped by the king and tortured for most of a day. And they're like, oh, no, we can still make it, though. And I'm like, well, you mean you could just barely make it last time you were delayed, and now you can still... Just barely make it. You just have to find the right ship. And then the first ship that you find, you know, captain that you can find, he's willing to take you. There are just a couple coincidences and the timing stretch. Just as I was reading it, that was one of the things that stood out to me that was like, hey, no, no, that's a little no good. Okay, this is my last nitpick for a second. I hate the word cancer in a book unless... It is a book that's like a real world. It's very similar to the real world. And they would have something like cancer. Like when I read the Trader Bar Comrade, like that was a cancer and it worked, but it just threw me off in that book. This book, there is a magic user who gets power and he is a, they call him a cancer. And it's like, well, you know, he doesn't like radioactive people and make them like, slowly die of cancer like they die quickly and then painfully and like they decay or they're a plague bringer there's a lot of other names that 
would have been much better for me besides cancer. So I did love the power sets they when they're fighting and they're using their power. I loved uh, Zelda's power. She's a reaper. She can call the spirits of the dead and kind of command them, but then they have to be sent on. That was very cool. The blood magic was very incredible. A huge burst of power, but for an incredibly steep price. And that was some good scenes in there. A little another question is, you know, they're, they're, I'm sorry, this sounds like I'm, you know, bashing it, but I'm not. I did enjoy it. So the when they get to Image, the city where they charge buckets, you know, so much for the water, and they are like, okay, we just went to the next city, and we have to find the sunstone. Oh, look, this guy, he's offering the sunstone as a reward. Like, that felt a little bit like, okay, they didn't, like, really search for it. Like, oh, maybe they could have heard that this place had it, and then go over there, and then see it and did right, but they just happened to be in the right city at the right time to hear about it. And then, when they're fighting on the ships, uh, it's like a naval battle free-for-all kind of battle royale and she uses her magic and like nobody in the crowd is freaked out about it you know since all magic's been gone for the past like 10-ish years or more you know 10 to 12 years and it's like nobody who was in charge of that was like oh you cheated like you used magic that's illegal or like tried to stop them in any way it just uh you know, didn't hide it, didn't try to switch out a prize. Wouldn't have done them any good, of course, because they have magic and the uh, nobles and the people in charge wouldn't. But they didn't react poorly to it, which I feel like they would have if it was like, uh, she just like summoned the spirits of the dead and they flew and destroyed that other boat. And the only thing we're going to call on it is that it was awesome. And it's like, yeah, it was awesome from my point of view. But uh, from the point of view of the... People who are in charge, they are not going to like that. Um, so I did. I also really liked the character growth of all the characters. I really thought that Zelay and Amory really changed and grew as we followed them through. Amory from the Spoiled Princess, you know, to... And she was never really like 100% a Spoiled Princess, but, you know, and then she grew and changed. And now she is able to actually confront her father at the end. And fight him. Zelay, she has no confidence in herself. She, you know, she feels like she ruins everything. Um, and then at the end, she's trying to do this ritual. And she can't remember it because the spell's been burned. Because she kind of got a little angry and burned the scroll. And destroyed it. So she just uses her power to circle up her ancestors. And basically like reforge an entirely new connection. And... That was awesome. I loved seeing that. I loved her going for that. And it was crazy. And then, of course, we see at the very end, Amory getting magic and having the white hair that shows that you have magic. And it's like, well, what are the implications here? Did she just give magic to everybody? Did it give it to just some people? That was very cool. Enan, I would have loved to see a little bit more character growth. I feel like we did see some on him, but... He would just flip-flop back and forth. Oh, yes, I'm I'm totally against magic, and I hate it. And I'm going to just kill you and save my sister and bring her back, and everything would be fine. And then, oh, no, I'm 
I love magic and I love you and I want to be with you and do all this good stuff and we'll make a new one. And then, oh no, I have to listen to my horrible father, the king, you know, and he just, he felt very flip floppy to me and I don't want him to die from the end of the book where he might be, but I think he is for sure dead. So I am very excited to see what happens in the next book. One other thing that felt off at the very beginning of the book was the inclusion of so many new words. Now, this was not truly a bad thing, but in the very beginning, it threw me off how many words that didn't have an interpretation for me were there. And I didn't like that at the beginning, but as I got into it, it really felt like, you know, Tori had just dropped us into her characters' lives, that we weren't being kind of like spoon-fed or like, Here's this, and here's what this means. It's like, here's the story, here's where you start. You're just going to have to catch up and keep up with it. And I did like that in the end, and it was great. A couple times she has some very great you know, prose, especially, I thought, when she's in the dreamscape, and when Zella is in the dreamscape with Enon, and he can kind of sense her soul. And there was the, the phrasing, the sea salt soul, and the descriptors that she used there, and the depiction of Zelay after having been tortured, I felt was very real and very in your face, but in a good way. And I really like that. So I think that's going to wrap up my discussion of Children of Blood and Bone. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, again, and thanks to David Hillowitz for the intro and outro music. And if you have any questions or comments, please send them to libromancypod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter sometimes at LibromancyPod. And I've got a calendar up on Libromancy.podbean.com showing what books are coming up next. Should be up and going by the time you hear this. And you know, please like and subscribe, of course, wherever you get your podcasts from. And remember to rekindle the magic of books. Mm-hmm.